This is the Mosaic Church Podcast. Mosaic Church is committed to making disciples that discover Christ, connect in Christian community, and serve others and the world. Hey, I want to talk to you kind of about a serious subject matter. Uh, and I pray that we all would be sensitive. There's a song that I, I played this about six years ago here at the church. Uh, it's a song by Kelly Clarkson. And if you guys don't know who Kelly Clarkson, she's... Um, She's bigger than Taylor Swift as far as popularity. I was just trying to get a reaction. Look at that. It's like, it's like I got like, def- people got defensive. There was like fighting words. Uh, I was just, just testing to see where your loyalties were. Um, she wrote a song called Peace by Peace. Um, Kelly Clarkson is, if you don't know, she's a pop, pop singer, uh, and she's pretty famous, and she sang this song. I remember watching it years ago on American Idol. American Idol. Anybody ever watch American Idol? Yeah? Everybody, anybody ever want to be on American Idol? All right, yeah. How about The Voice? Anybody ever want to see The Voice? You know, we actually had someone from our church who was on The Voice. Yeah, uh, Miss Rose's son, Royce. Uh, so... Anyway, when she sang this song, it was pretty powerful. It was a song about her growing up, um, and her dad basically abandoned her. It's pretty powerful. And again, I want to be sensitive to maybe, maybe uh, you had something similar, so I don't want to throw you off. But I'd like for us to listen to the song. Uh, the, the songs, the lyrics will be up there. And it has to do with my sermon this morning about... Uh, how basically the sins of the Father can affect us all. Powerful song, and I heard it uh, when she sang it live on American Idol, and she broke down and, and cried, and the judges were crying. And uh, like I said, it was sung maybe five, six years ago, and what's really sad about this story is that she was married to a man, and that man that she married was a good husband and a good father, but I believe as of today they, they've divorced and so I feel bad for because these kind of songs, when we place our hope and trust in, in people, people are, are broken. We are all broken. And all of us have shortcomings. And all of us um, need Jesus. Amen? Amen. We all need Jesus. Kelly needs Jesus. I need Jesus. You need Jesus. And if we're not submitted to the Holy Spirit through Jesus Christ, then these things tend to begin to just kind of replicate itself in our families. All of us have baggage. I just saw a young man, uh, he looked young, uh, riding his bicycle right on North Monroe, and he had, you know, typically what would be one of those things that you'd carry your kids with, you know, on the bike, you know, some sort of cart that you could bike with your kids, but his was filled with stuff. And as you know, here in Tallahassee, we have uh, a homeless situation where you see them. And, and this guy had lots of stuff carrying with him. And that's the baggage a lot of times. So that was a physical picture of what a lot of us, uh, if we're not submitting and, and handing things over to Jesus, will carry with us. I saw another lady that had two grocery carts way up on North Monroe near Fred George, two grocery carts filled with stuff and just 
walking with it. And it's just a perfect picture of what life can be like when we're not turning things over to Jesus and we keep carrying things with us. And, and if we're not careful, we begin to pass this along from generation to generation. Some of us, if you're, if you're all honest with yourself, maybe there's some stuff that you're holding on to that should have been let go a long time ago when Jesus began to speak to you about letting it go. I'm now in my mid to late 50s. That really means late 50s, but like that mid part, all right? And um, I can look back in my, you know, I hate it when I have to fill out that thing that says 55 to 65. I was like, that's not me. I identify as a young person. I almost wore white tennis shoes today, but I just couldn't do it. It's uh, from my childhood. White shoes was not something you would ever wear as a kid. And I remember when his uh, soccer players started wearing white, it was like, oh, it was shocking to me. So I'm still dealing with that. But I do have white shoes. I'll, I'll try to wear them next time I'm up here. And then you can tell me how cool I look. I want to look like Eric. Eric looks cool. And if you guys remember last week's video about uh, the dad, you know, the Father's Day video, and khaki pants, like, I'm, I'm wearing khaki pants. Okay, so let's move on. In my 50s, uh, I do have memories of my early childhood still fresh in my mind. Uh, and my kids have heard all the stories, and some of them are pretty crazy, are they not? We, we, talked about, <laughs> we talked about one last week, something I had to experience that, um, quite honestly, you would probably call child services today, right? <laughs> yes, I mean, at least it's like, yes. Um, and I bet you I'm not alone. I'm being in the ministry. I'm always amazed at the depth of pain that people carry from their upbringing. Several years ago, a young man in our Chi Alpha campus ministry just kind of barged into my house when I lived off of Corno Street, and he just barged into my house and he just cried. I, I couldn't get him to. To stop and and he had just came from just some random encounter that he had sought after at Tom Brown Park in the bathroom. I'll let, I'll let you imagine the rest of the true story. And then he later on told me that he was that he had been abused as a kid by a neighborhood kid. And I'm um, just amazed. And he was already in his mid-20s, carrying this for, at that time, more than a decade. I never learned personally. My dad was uh, kind of like maybe what your grandfather would have been like or your great-grandfather, just a very tough, rough, you know, man. And I never learned a lot of things from him. I learned how to be tough, uh, and I learned how to be a hard worker, but there's some things I never learned. But I did learn some things not to do because of him, and I thank the Lord for that. I learned that I didn't want to necessarily be an exact replica of his life, and I think that was the Holy Spirit helping me. I don't have the same experiences as my older siblings. I have five older siblings. Their stories are different than mine. And so I don't judge my brothers and sisters and how they respond 
about their upbringing based on my experience. My experience is very different than my oldest brother's experience in all of them. But for me, I look back at my father and I realized he was a broken man that needed Jesus. He had Jesus, but he needed Jesus to be Lord of all of his life, in every area of his life. But all of us carry some sort of baggage, and if we're not careful, we'll be like that person walking on Monroe Street, carrying this stuff over and over again. In this story, we, uh, this song that we just heard, it was a father who abandoned her. And so she struggled, and I listened to a story that she struggled with being feeling lovelessness in a whole in, in, in her heart, in her life. And so I want to challenge all of us, how we're living has an impact on those around us. And those who've lived in, in front of us and before us have an impact on us. We all have heard this, 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 this verse, but the sins of the fathers. And we're going to explore that today. I won't be able to finish it, so please don't judge everything by today's message, because there is a part two. But our wounds do shape us. My own family, our wounds shaped us differently. Not every wound is the same. My, my roofer friend came to, to do some work, and uh, I chatted with him, and his wounds are different than mine. He lost his son in a car wreck 15 years ago, and he's still struggling. Couldn't do anything other than put my arm on his shoulder and just let him, just let him talk and grieve with him. He's carrying some wounds, deep wounds. There's another friend of ours, a Kayafa uh, alumni, that her daughter didn't wake up the day after Christmas, nine, eight years old. They did three autopsies. We couldn't figure out what happened. It's been like five years now. I texted her the other day, and she's just, she just continued to pray. She's got some deep wounds. But if we're not careful, those wounds can affect those in our families, in our generation around us. In Exodus chapter 20, it says, you shall make yourself not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven or above the earth. It's the Ten Commandments. You know it. You shall not bow before them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. This is the rest of the verse. Punishing the children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generation. This is the second commandment. An idol is something that's made to represent a picture of God, something that captures the essence or the image. And if we're, we have to be careful because God is telling us not to make any graven image. The first commandment is to make sure we worship the right God. And the second is really that we worship him the right way. And so we're not to use any kind of image that's going to reduce who he is to make him less than who he really is. Because nothing that we can make could ever fashion or imagine begin to capture 
the greatness and the wonderfulness, the powerfulness, the majesty, the mystery of who God is. And by doing something like that, we put God in a box, making him something smaller than he is or ever meant to be. And then we end up with something distorted. And then we end up being tempted to take that idol, that image, and make it an object of worship. And it would begin to mislead us and begin to give us misunderstanding of who God is. And then before you know it, we're worshiping a substitute, a much lesser substitute. So God is telling us, don't do it. Don't end up with a false image. You end up with a false relationship, worshiping a false God. So this is what happens when we do this. It says, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generation. So what does that actually mean, specifically to the third and fourth generation? Well, it's not uncommon, especially in the old days, that, that um, people would live in the same house. The people would live in the same house. Uh, it's not uncommon to live in a house, and I've been to places in South America where it was grandma, father, daughter, and grandchild. Four generations. It's not that unusual. Only, only here in the West, it's unusual. So it's not that unthinkable to think that there are three or four generations living in a house. It's not like what we have here. They didn't separate their own like we do today. So the effect of the father, the head of that home, and the parents of that home can have an effect of generations in that home. And I would say it's really not that different today. Even though we don't live in the same house, there's some, there's some things that we can relate to. In my family, we have my mother-in-law, my, my mom, myself, then my kids, and my grandkids. Four generations. And even though we don't live in the same house, we live in the same community, and we, and we could have an effect on one another. And this happens in, in the Bible. And so regardless of the nature of sin, there's, there's influences. I am the youngest of six. I am a Gen Xer. Some people think I'm a boomer. I'm not, all right? I'm right at that number. But you know, there's a lot of me that Likes boomer stuff. I was just talking to Ski. Not that he's a boomer. He's a Gen Xer like me. Uh, I was listening to 70s folk rock yesterday. And I thought of it. Why do I like 70s folk rock? Well, it wasn't because I'm, you know, I'm a child of the 80s. It was because of my brothers. What they listened to. I, I had, it had an effect on me. In Exodus 34, 6, 7, it says, the Lord the, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, is slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining 
love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin, yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of their fathers to a third generation. So what does that actually mean? Are we being punished for someone else's sin? And I'm going to tell you, in case I don't get to it at the end, that's not the case. It's not about God inflicting punishment on children for what their fathers or mothers did. It's not about divine retribution handed out to generations after generations, treating children as, as though they're guilty because something their grandparents did. That's not what this saying. I'm here to tell you there is no generational punishment inflicted on us or our children because of something that someone else has done. There's a verse and there's a whole story. I'm not going to read it because it's pretty long. But you can look up in Ezekiel chapter 18, verses 5 through 22, and explains that pretty clearly to us. But what it does say is that the sins of the fathers and the generational shadow it brings isn't about divine punishment. It's about, I would say, shadow influence. That sin has a collateral, dynamic, shadow effect. While only one person bears the guilt for doing something wrong, the effects have a ripple, have a, has a ripple effect. It can feel its impact. It can be a subject to influence us and for a long time even to the third and fourth generation. Again, listen to the folk rock, the song, The Cats in the Cradle, came up. And if you've never heard that song, it's pretty powerful about a dad who didn't have time for his son because he was too busy working. And then this, the song goes on to the point where the dad is now retired and now he wants to spend time with his son. And his son says, I can't, dad. I'm basically too busy. And he grew up just to be like his dad. And that's a shadow influence that we have. Father to son to grandson. Sin has a ripple effect. It's not something that's done in isolation. And one of the things I want to challenge you, maybe a, uh, uh, an idea that, you can, that help you to, to live righteously, is recognize that the enemy never tells you the full cost of this thing that he might be tempting you with. He's only giving you maybe 5% of the cost. I'm just telling you, think about your grandchildren that you don't even have children yet, but it can have an effect on multiple generations. Sadly, it can be like someone who is driving under the influence who crashes into another car. My boss lost his daughter because of someone else's sin. So our families of origin mark us for good or for ill, but God can help us. One of the reasons we call our church Mosaic, it's funny when we, we came up with the name Mosaic, um, <laughs> I'm showing my cards here. I was really aiming for the, 
uh, the name Journey. You know the band? I'm just, so uh, nobody liked that name for some reason. But we went with Mosaic because it represented our church and it, it represented that broken pieces put in the right formation can make a beautiful picture. And so maybe you are a broken piece like I am and I was, but God can take that and put it in a, in a position where it just becomes of a broader picture, a beautiful broader picture. So if we're not careful, we can allow it to leave a wound, an open wound. It can cripple us. It can leave scars. I read the story of a young man that, that was in a coma, and he, uh, he came out of the coma, and for some reason it came over him, and he, and he wants his dad to just give him a kiss on the cheek, and he asked his dad to do that, and his dad refused. He says, you weren't that sick. And he said it affected him. It affected him. I mean, I can tell you story after story of people that I've met that their family origin has really made an effect in their lives. My parents were broken people. My mom is still alive, so I got to be careful what I say on camera. But they were broken people, and I began to see them differently once I recognized my brokenness. There's a movie, an old movie called Ordinary People. Have you ever seen it? Only nobody. Nobody. He's an Academy Award winner. Uh, the, the main actress, Mary Tyler Moore, she does such a good job. I believe she won an award for that role. I could not stand her. I think it typecast her to be this, what I thought was this evil mom. It is interesting when you watch that movie in your 20s, you watch that same movie in your 30s, and you watch that same movie in your 40s, I found something happening to me. Same movie, nothing's changed. But I began to see Mary Tyler Moore in a different light. I saw an interview that she shared and she talked about she didn't understand why people hated her. And I'm like, how can you not understand why people hated your character? But when I saw it in my 50s, it clicked to me why she said what she said. My parents were broken people, and it wasn't until I recognized I was also broken, not guilty because of what they have done, but recognized that their shadow had influence on me, that I began to seek the Lord to help me. And I'm asking you to do the same. Say, Lord, help me. I don't want to pass this down to my children. And I definitely don't want them to pass it down to their children. Now, my kids may not know this, but sometimes I'll tell people about being a grandparent. It's the reward for not killing your children. (laughs) It's not good for them, but uh, you'll understand one day. You'll understand one day. I read this other story by this lady who wrote a book, Longing for Daddy, and she writes and how her dad walking out had an impact on her. It made her believe that God loved everyone but her. 
She told herself that she was dumb and ugly and would never finish college. In her story, she says she lost her virginity to keep her first boyfriend from breaking up with her. And she equated sex with love and, and began to avoid being abandoned again and again. And then she realized as she was talking to her sister as adults, they realized that they both had been abused and it had affected her, of course. At the end in their story, they said, Dad ruined my life. But I'm telling you that God can make a difference. God can make a difference, but part of it is, is recognizing that you are broken. We sang a song, I think it was our first song, about the devil. And I've learned that the challenges I have, the most challenging things that I've had to deal with were not external conflict, but internal conflict. I shared this story many times, but it, it's, it's, it's ringing true. As I've gotten older, it becomes more true and more true that the, the, the man, and I've seen a meme recently. It's like this man has put on the full armor of God. He puts on the full armor of God. It's like, who can take me now? And then there's an arrow right through the little eye hole, and it's like pride. And I recognize that, that there are things in my life that, that I've allowed to seep in in my life, in my family life. We have to make sure you know, uh, that we're, we're not worshiping a false idol. So my wife and I, we asked the Lord to help us to, to be a family that we would not be afraid if it was replicated. And there are some times that I would love to tell you that we were a perfect family. We were not. Uh, they tell a story. One time I got so mad I kicked a doll of some sort, right? <laughs> and went across the room. They know the story really well. I, I barely remember it. Uh, but that's, that's a, a, a story we laugh about because we can talk about how, and I pray that they can see that how God has helped me throughout the years. And the Lord can help you. I pray that our church is a place that we've been broken. We're all broken, but we are, have been healed by the shadows of those who've gone before us. We've had people in our church that come from difficult church. You know, they went to another church and there was a split or there was a this and, and it was messy and, and they start coming here, you know, barely walking spiritually and, and mistrusting uh, church leadership and and I pray that when you come to Mosaic that you recognize, hey, we're not perfect. I have to wash my clothes every week like you do. My shoes stink. So does yours. We're not perfect, but we are trying to continue to walk in the shadow of the Almighty, not the shadow of our hurts. I pray that you sense a, uh, a strong sense of community as we bow our knee to Christ as a church. That we're trying to be something 
that will bring him the greatest glory and that will affect generations after generations. I pray that if God ever were to move you on from Mosaic Church because you had to move out of town, that it would be uh, a history, a memory of a healthy church. That we're not perfect, but we're striving to love Jesus. And that we're careful that we're not going to live in the shadow or, or be sinful, that we affect those around us. And I'm going to ask the band to come up in a second. Don't come up yet. But I want to share some things, why we do what we do at Mosaic Church. Maybe there's enough of you that are new that you don't know why we do certain things. So, for example, the kids stay upstairs during worship. I was talking to Deanna, and, I, and she laughed at me. She goes, uh, because I would say, you know, it's a time to refocus our attention on God. I'll usually say that in the very front in the beginning of the service. And she goes, have you been with my kids during worship? It's hard to focus. And so, and then I heard Robin say one time, she goes from the, she normally sits here and she said she went back there for some reason for worship. And she goes, totally different back here than up front. And uh, I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm in the front row. I don't, and, and but we feel strongly, again, this, the shadow effect, but the shadow of the Almighty that even if our kids are going crazy, I want them to see a church that worships God. I want them to see their parents, but if they can't see their parents because they're holding them, I want them to see their parents' friends worship God. I want them to see what it looks like an older person to worship God. I want them to see what a, a teenager is to worship God. I want them to see that because we're modeling this in front of them. Would it be easier to just send them downstairs? Yes. But man, that would not really be modeling something healthy for our kids. So mom and dad, I'm sorry that you're back there wrestling with your kids. I promise you, it, it doesn't bother me. Well, partly because I'm in the front row, so. Well, why do we have an intermission? Well, we have an intermission because I don't know if my bladder can handle a whole hour and a half without having to go to the restroom. So we have an intermission. And uh, it's, it used to be meet and greet where we forced everybody to meet and greet. So if we have so many introverts, it's like stressful. So we, we stopped that. So it really is intermission. It's intermission time. So uh, just so you know, that's why we do it. So the kids can be part of the, half the service and they go downstairs. Um, and downstairs, we have a Sunday school style kids church. They're learning lessons. And so just want you to know why we do. We, we do communion monthly because the Bible tells us to do it regularly. And we want to walk in obedience. At the end, we say, uh, when we, we close, we say, he is risen. And you guys say, and the reason we, you may not even know it, but originally we say it because it was kind of code word for early believers in the early church. And if you were in a community and you weren't sure if somebody was a believer, you would go, he is risen. And the other person would say, who's risen? Well, you kind of knew that that wasn't a believer. And so, but if someone said he is risen indeed, you knew that was a fellow believer. And so we've picked up that practice and, and we do that. And of course, may the Lord be with you. It's just a, a blessing to be with you. And so just so you know why we do certain things. 
but we keep the kids up here because we want them to see, we want them to see people worshiping Jesus. We want them to see mommy singing and daddy playing and daddy playing. It's, you can't pay for, you can't earn that in some other experience. They ha- I, I love for them to see that. I've heard my granddaughter yell f- for her mommy, but to see her mom up there praying or so watching you, you know, lift your hands, it's, it, it's invaluable. And so again, we're trying to not to be uh, living in the shadow of, of sin and, and from gener- you know, just learn some bad behaviors from past generations of, of churches, but we want to live in the shadow of the Almighty. And we have to be careful because it is generational. What, we're t- what we do has a generational effect. Again, I'll finish the sermon when I'm back up here again, and I don't know exactly when, but sometime this summer. I want to ask the band to come on up. We want to thank you for listening. We pray that you were blessed and encouraged. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to this podcast and listen whenever you like. To find out more about Mosaic Church, please visit www.mosaicchurchtlh.com.